Side After Podcast. I'm your host, Audrey Cullinane, and today we are joined by fan favorite, Olivia Baird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm happy to be back, so happy to be back. So yeah. I'm Olivia, I'm on the Blue Debate team, oh. movie lover. I try to keep up with Nevi and Audrey, but it is very difficult. <laughs> but recently I saw one that really tickled my fancy. I saw it in theaters, like, with a group of people, and then I kept thinking about it, I had to go back, saw it again, so... I've seen this now twice, and I thought about yeah. it a lot. I'm extra quite, qualified. Quite the fan. Because it is on my top four on Letterboxd. So if anyone's going to have an opinion, it's going to be me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this movie we are talking about today is the 2023 controversial yet Which is crazy that it's controversial. It like is a little bit controversial, but critically acclaimed mm-hmm. Poor Things mm-hmm. by Yorgos Landmuth and starring Emma Stone. Mark Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo, William Defoe, so among many, many great others. talents, so and many. it was a lovely movie. We will be going into spoils, so we yeah. do highly recommend that you watch this movie. So if you have not seen it, pause this, go watch the movie for three and a half hours, and then come back and press play. Or if you don't like having opinions, just keep listening. Yeah, you can just so have our opinions. Exactly. Um, Olivia, would you like to give us a synopsis on this three-and-a-half-hour odyssey Which of a movie? I want to say, I when I saw it for the second time, I thought, I originally thought the movie was like an hour or two hours and 30 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. And even at the two hours and 30 minutes, I was like, man, this movie did not feel like two hours and 30 minutes. Or like, yeah, two hours and 30 minutes. I was like, this is like, you know, I feel like I was in here for like maybe like an hour and a half. You know, that's how like enthralled I was with the movie. And then I talked with Audrey later, and I'm like, yeah, like two, I was telling her this. I was like, it didn't feel like two-and-a-half hours. You should like live. It's three and a half hours and I was like oh um <laughs> so I thought it was entertaining from like start to finish like mm-hmm. I there was another part where I was like oh okay I was like every single part like adds to the story like everything was placed so intentionally that it's like it's you can't really get bored mm-hmm. but it is a um very plot heavy movie I would say oh, like so much happens so would you give us oh, a synopsis, synopsis. okay Please. So this is this is where the spoilers start. We're getting into yes. like I'm going through the whole plot just super quickly, like speed running. Mm-hmm. Because right. it is really important to understand. Like usually, I feel like we can give a pretty base um, tagline of the movie, but mm-hmm. this movie goes so deep. Everything is like super it's so important. Intentional. Yeah. So if you'd like to give us a summary. All right. So this girl, <laughs> she jumps off this bridge, and this guy William Defoe, his name is like Godwin in the movie. He finds her, and he's, like, this, like, doctor. Like, he's, like, Frankenstein in the sense, like, how, like, Frankenstein, and then she's going to be his monster because she's pregnant. And whenever he finds her, she's, like, on, like, the verge of death, but she's not quite there yet. And he's, like, I can reanimate this body. And he has this whole moral confusion of, like, oh, my gosh, like, do I, like, give her her brain back? Like, she wanted to be rid of this world, but also, like, how can I deprive the Mm -hmm. baby of a life? So he puts the baby's brain into her brain, right? Reanimates her. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. This is where things get heated. So, so she is basically a baby in the body of a fully matured woman. Yeah. Like very, I think Emma Stone also plays this very, very well. Like, I think yes. we saw a lot of controversy, like, with ever, like, Sia's movie about, like, the autistic girl, and she casted, like, Maddie mm-hmm. Ziegler, which is just, like, what the fuck very, are you, like, freak tasteless. are you doing? Yeah, it's very tasteless. And I think at that point, it's, like, it's, you know, we all recognize what the line is. I don't think Emma Stone crossed that because exactly. she didn't play someone who was, like, autistic or something like that. It was someone who's a baby inside of the brain of a yes. human, and she wasn't, like... I think she played it very well. I think she got and the award for it, yeah, right? Yeah, she did. She won Golden Globe yep. this past couple weekends. Oof. But yeah. But whenever Mark Ruffalo enters the story, mm-hmm. he um, he and her kind of discover that they both like each other, and they yeah. run away on his 
voyage to Portugal, uh, Portugal and to everywhere around the world. Yeah. Because she both wants to run away with him, but she also wants to discover the world for herself that yeah. she has no idea about. And she's never been outside before, right? And at this point, she's like, I think one thing I didn't, not that I didn't like about the movie is that there's not a lot of like timestamps. Like you don't know how much time has passed. Mm-hmm. And I think it adds like the whimsy of the movie, but we don't know how old she is like mentally at this time. But yes. at this point, but you can tell from her characterization that she's she very young. I would say like toddler, yeah, child, developing speech, mindset. developing thoughts. Yes, yeah. but which is crazy if you watch the movie and you think about the fact that she's mentally like seven mm-hmm. by the end of it. Especially because a major part of her journey is that. She and Mark Ruffalo's character um, are kind of an exploration for her about sexuality Mm -hmm. and being intimate with another person for the first time. And that is a huge... The driving factor in her story. As she is in this adolescent phase. So it does prompt a lot of questions and commentary on the over-sexualization of young girls, especially and I think that by if anything, older men. Yeah, and I think that, I don't think that was, I think it was intentional by the directors and by the producers exactly. to put that forward. I don't think it was mm-hmm. like, oh, well, they're sexualizing her. I think it was super, super intentional. Because that's a film but she's being yeah. taken advantage of, left and right, by exactly. men. She's one of the only women in the entire film. Mm-hmm. And it's so real to what so many, unfortunately, so many girls experience in yeah. their life. And as the movie continues, she um, it follows her as she is kind of maturing more. So yeah. they go on a cruise ship, and she, she portrays her characterization and her age better by not walking strange. You know, yeah, she she's kind of gotten posture. herself together. She has a more better speech. dialect and tone and vocabulary. So you can tell that she's kind of in her, I would say, preteen. Yeah, more. Um, a little bit older. Because it's implied throughout the whole movie that her brain is maturing at a rate that is, like, way faster. Way faster. Like, it's not, like, a normal, exactly. like, year by year. But she's on this boat, and she meets these people, and they introduce her to philosophy and, like, the yes. morality of life. And, you know, she becomes enthralled in this world of, like, mm-hmm. philosophy and morals and how, like, one another treats each other and, like, the ways of the world, essentially. And mm-hmm. at one point, she stops in Athens, and one of the characters that she's met alongside, he's, like, he's was self-described as a pessimist. And he brings yes. her to the city of Athens, and he shows her essentially the slums and she has this like moral break essentially because she realizes she's that she's seeing in all this like death and disparity mm-hmm. in the world for the first time she's a, a very privileged girl she lives in london originally and mm-hmm. she is in such good circumstance that she's a reanimated body <laughs> first time that she is ever experiencing death and pain and it is so essential to her character i mm-hmm. think that this becomes her new driving force. Yeah. Is that she's not really going on this journey for herself and for understanding herself, but for trying to better the world. And, and understand so the world. I think it's so real to what at least we faced because growing up in a period of being 12, 13, 14 while being on lockdown and experiencing mm-hmm. the amount of like pain and disparity in the world was so close to our experience that it was yeah. so so validating to see emma stone go through yeah and i think it's real for so many people like this is the age she's like 12 13 it's the kind of the age when you start to realize that you know the world's not perfect yeah so i think it it's so real to the experience of that age yeah i think that this one thing this movie does really really well is just portray a woman and how like 
she grows up, especially under the influence of, like, a man in particular, because there's not a part of the movie where she is, there's one part in the movie where she is, like, truly alone with no men. She is, like, there's one part, and it's when she's working in a brothel, and, you know. And that's our next stage of her (laughs) development is when she goes to Paris, Mm -hmm. and they, she and uh, Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo completely broken out of money, and so she discovers that, the only way for her to provide for herself and try to better educate herself is by, as you said, joining a brothel. brothel. And she starts working in this brothel, and Mark Ruffalo eventually leaves, and he finds the money that her father had left with her. And so he leaves, right? And she's alone at this point in Paris, and she starts working in this brothel, and she just, like, she uses it to better herself, right? She's learning through experience of meeting different people, but she's also learning a lot. And a lot of people have um, said that this scene, it's a very long... um, period of the movie where she's mm-hmm. in this and it's um very explicitly shown her treatment and what she is doing sexually and a lot of people can criticize this but I also think that this was a really essential part of the movie because she's kind of entering her young adult I would say upper teens like 16 17 18 when she kind of sees her sexuality not as something for herself but for other people to mm-hmm. get pleasure from mm-hmm. But she's using it to Understand. get her money and go to school and yeah. educate herself and better herself in the world. So it's so it's such a tragedy to like see her have to do this, but she's using it to better herself. And I think that can be so real for Modern sex day. workers, yeah. for young girls. I think it's so essential. And yeah. I think it's so important that they're actually recognizing that this is a problem and commenting on it. And the way they displayed it wasn't in, in essentially like she is suffering. You know, she was mm-hmm. thriving in a way at that, you know, in yeah. the brothel and the way she was away from her like captor, mm-hmm. you know, and her like under the influence of a man and she was able to be like her full self. And so they never they never portrayed it as like, you know, there's some points thing. where it was like, oh, this isn't great. But they were never like, she's suffering. She's going exactly. through it. She doesn't want to be here. She was doing well. Was she wanted to be a there. choice that she made to mm-hmm better her economic and social place mm-hmm. in the world yeah so yeah and then she hears that her father's dying and she heads back yep. the next chapter is her returning back to london mm-hmm. and she this is kind of the more adult phase mm-hmm. of her life at this point i feel like she's fully formed she's having mm-hmm. like full thoughts you know and she has to deal with her father's death and discovering actually confronting him about what happened, she discovers that she is an experiment, basically, yeah. and that she is living in her mother's body. And so... Which is crazy. M- what a freaking plot twist for her. Like, yeah. she must be reeling, but... Oh, my gosh. And then she goes to get married, because yes. in the beginning of the movie, basically, her father had hired this guy to, like, take notes on her while he went to work, and basically he fell in love with her because, you know, she has the mentality of a three-year-old, so what's not to love? <laughs> and then they go ahead and get married whenever she comes back. Mm-hmm. I'm going to speed run this a little bit, but through, in the middle of the wedding, her husband comes back, the one that, like, the body the that she's in life mother, before. Yeah, her mother's her, husband. Yeah, her basically. mother's husband comes back, and he's like, girl, like, you got to come with me. Like, yeah. you're married to me. I thought me. you were dead, girl. Come yeah. on back. And for whatever reason, Emma Stone leaves with him, mm-hmm. which I kind of was like, mm. which I think it extends the movie, and it wasn't, yeah, like, it just made the movie even longer, but I don't know, even then, it is kind of the final like nail in the coffin for <coughs> for her and her maturity because yeah. it's her understanding like this whole chapter in London it's her discovering 
this is what I am made of. These are my parents. This is um, the life I've been giving and kind of understanding her background for the first time. Understanding herself as well. She learned so much about being like, she just wants to be free. And I think that's Mm -hmm. what was really portrayed in the very end is just how desperate to be free she is because, you know, eventually she's like, I'm leaving. Like, I need to leave and he won't let her leave. And she shoots him in the foot. This is where this, I think this is Uh one of the best parts. It turns him, same procedure that happened on her, put a goat's head into his brain, essentially swap Mm -hmm. their brains, essentially. And then the movie closes out with her studying for some sort of medical exam about, like, anatomy. And she's back in her childhood house Mm -hmm. and with her, the, her friends from the whorehouse that she made and her husband, like, she's back and she's a fully grown woman and Mm -hmm. it's like she's finally risen to her station yeah and this movie is very extensive i think a lot of criticism on how lengthy it is but oh no 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 no. it is it's two hours and 20 minutes it's two hours and 20 minutes i do yeah i don't think it's two hours and 20 minutes i don't think it's two hours and 20 minutes i think it's three and a half hours but a lot of people um have criticized how it feels like such a lengthy movie because it it is it's such a plot-based movie and it dives so deeply into each chapter of her life and her maturity but I think part of it is it's all so essential to really see because I kind of describe this as an odyssey of growing up as a girl in society and uh, that may just kind of sound like the, oh, my God, girlhood, yeah. like, movement on TikTok, which is also kind of bullshit. But this does it in a way that is so genuine mm-hmm. and non-apologetic. Mm-hmm. And They showed real. all of it. None of it yes. was, like, there was no, I feel like there was no censorship of anything. Mm-hmm. There was no, I felt like nothing was being suppressed. Like, everything was expressed very freely, which is what you want to do as a girl growing up. You want to express yourself, and she had the ability to change and, like, develop her personality, which is what is so crucial about this time. And I think yeah. that, like, like you said, like, people will dismiss it as, like, oh, well, just because, like, a woman, it's a woman-centered movie. It's not, like, necessarily meaning girl power. But I think that through the lens of the movie and how I think the director's, like, the director's intent, essentially, is to have it be, like, a movie about girlhood and growing up because, you know, she is a grown woman. She has, like, the you know, the look of a grown woman, but the mind of a child. And at that, at the end of the day, she's just a child growing up. And she's just a girl exploring her way through the world, an overly sexualized world that, like, overly sexualizes her, but in one where she discovers, like, free speech and how to be free and live for herself, which I think is, like, what we all do as, like, young women. Yeah, and it's so impactful. And the other factors, besides the plot, that really make this story the amazing performances the beautiful yeah. cinematography the as we said emma stone did win golden globe and we're all shooting for her to win the oscar but i think it should have won awards for like set i don't know if it's a set design yes. but it was like and cinematography cinematography it was beautiful it is in the first chapter when she's in london it's all in black and white mm-hmm. and it uses like a fisheye lens yes so everything is kind of out of proportion and I want to give a big shout out to the score because I think the shout music out to the score made the movie so it made it work so much. It yeah. in the beginning and while she's still a child, it's kind of like twangy notes that don't yeah. really mesh together, put together in a song that just makes you feel so confused and disoriented. Mm-hmm. And as the movie develops, it gets more like harmonious holy, yes, and into holy. a melody. And so I think like all of those aspects as she's 
coming with Mark Ruffalo out of London and into Portugal as it goes from being black and white to being in color and as it gets more saturated throughout the movie, it just is a full odyssey of yeah. her life. I think, I think it's just it's like so a beautifully beautiful. composed movie. I think every single part works in harmony with another. I think like with this, the set design, like the background, it was just like, it was whimsy, it was whimsical, yes. but it was talking about something so serious. It like mm-hmm. almost like spoon fed it to you. Yeah. You know, it's and like it when you put it sugar also in the medicine. to be funny yeah. and be so enchanting to watch mm-hmm. that it, w- it had such serious matter in it, but it was able to be comedic. Yeah. And it was, it's, it, Emma Stone won for best comed- best actress in a comedy or drama and this, or a comedy or musical. Yeah. Like it wasn't even taken as a drama movie because the amount of comedy and yeah. lightheartedness to it. And I think that's so amazing that they're able to take such a dark and such a serious topic and make it enjoyable for all audiences. Also to make it that beautiful. I think that a lot of comedy movies, I mean like I love a comedy movie at the end of the day, but a lot of comedy movies aren't shot the way Poor Things was shot. No. They were The budget I don't think was there. Not in the sense of like comedy movies aren't as good as Poor Things, but like... But if you consider this a normal like comedy movie, it's so out of the ordinary. Exactly. It was a comedy and a drama, and it was beautifully shot and silly and had great performances and was just my favorite movie of 2023. So Really? Or 2020. Yeah, for sure. Really? That's cool. Wow. What an award. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that was your ta- That was your letterbox. What do you think? I oh, oh, my gosh. I just thought, I don't know. I just never have been, like, I find it little movies that I am just fully enthralled with all the way through. Like, not, I think, you know, probably it's due to TikTok and my short attention span, but, like, there's very little movies that I just sit and, like, watch and want to rewatch and rewatch and rewatch. I don't think there's anything like it, honestly. At the the caliber, I don't think it's, I don't think anything's like it. But, anyways, that's the podcast, That's the podcast. Thank you so much for coming and joining us again. So, everybody, always remember, be just like Bella Baxter. I, I, must, mo- I must I go must go punch, punch that, that baby. baby.